0: Welcome to Trailblazing Entrepreneurs, the new podcast series from Salesforce AppExchange. In this series, we chat to world class entrepreneurs and founders and explore their journey as well as share practical tips to build successful businesses. I'm your host, Sandra Penyo, Director at the ISV Business at Salesforce. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Victoria Pepia, who is the co founder and COO at Frazy. Frazy is a marketing technology company using artificial intelligence-powered copywriting to boost marketing performance and revenue. So Vic, thank you so, so much for joining us for our third episode today in this new podcast series. How are you?
1: I'm really well, thank you, Sandra. Excited to be here talking to you.
0: So Vic, you come from a non-technical background, and yet you're the COO of the world-leading artificial intelligence copywriting company. Would you say that's a pretty rare thing in the founder's world?
1: It is a bit, and I have to say, it's been a massive learning curve. And I think I think that's something that I, we often talk about with um, new team members. And when I'm often talking to other entrepreneurs who are just starting out, to not be afraid of entering something because you think, "Oh, that's not my industry or, or my background." You know, what I bring to the business are a lot of the softer skills. There are certain things that you can learn about, and I think that's the joy of having co-founders as well. I've got two really awesome co-founders. And the, one of the main reasons that frazy is so successful is that each of us brings something really, really different to the business. And when you bring all three of us together, it's a solid unit, which gives a great foundation for the business.
0: Can you elaborate on those soft skills? Just talk to me a little bit about what you brought to the party. And, and also, did it influence how you pick your co-founders when forming a team?
1: So I was very lucky in in the fact that actually my two co-founders picked me. Parry Marm, who is our CEO, he'd actually been a client of mine for about six or seven years previous to us founding Frazy because I ran a creative agency. And so we'd kept in touch. He was one of our champions. We got on very, very well. And he came to me one day and said, Vic, I've got this idea. One of the biggest questions I always get asked because he, he'd been working in the email world was what's the perfect email subject line? We all spend hours and thousands of pounds and resources on designing an email, writing the content, building it, making sure it's responsive. But actually all of that's pointless if it doesn't get opened in the first place. And so all of his customers used to say, what's the perfect email subject line? And so at that point, he, he was like, Listen, you've just got to test. You can't predict how your audience is going to respond because as humans, we're unable to interpret and understand why one subject line might act before another. And so he came up with the idea of what if we could build a technology that took away all of that personal bias and gut instinct and actually could understand what language best resonated with your audience to get that highest open rate within an email campaign. And at which point he then reconnected with an old university friend of his. And that's our third co-founder, Dr. Neil Yeager, who is the super smart one. PhD in AI. And he, was, he basically said, this is a really hard problem to solve. This is why there are not lots of companies doing it, but I know how to do it. And so we use these two forms of natural language generation and deep learning in order to optimise the language that Phrasey produces for each of its customers. It was when they came to me and said, listen, we've got this idea what do you think? I've come up with the idea, Neil can build it, but we've got no idea on how to start a business. And those were the elements that I could bring, because I'd founded a creative agency before. I knew, you know, that first year when it's just the three of you, you've got to be hands-on, you've got to be a little bit of everything. You know, at that point, I was establishing the company, I was doing all the accounting, I was paying invoices, issuing invoices, we were doing the marketing collateral. Each day, everyone's got to put a different hat on. And we we found that actually with the three of us together, we actually covered and ticked all of those boxes in order to be able to actually start and found a business. And then, like I mentioned, it's it's the softer skills. It's the people side of things. You know, my passion, my real passion is people. I love our customers. I love our team. I spend a lot of time with everyone, you know, really understanding what the needs are, what it is that really creates that culture within Frazy. We've got such an awesome team. And I'm really, really, really conscious, as are Neil and Parry, that we've only had the Success we've had, the incredible success in the past five years because of the team that we've got. Yes, we've got amazing customers. Yes, we get them amazing results because the tech works. But actually, all of that's pointless if the team on on board and everyone's championing it. So I like to think that's the, the side that I bring, like the passion and the people skills. And so that's why it's, it's been a long, a massive learning curve. You know, I was thrown in, I didn't really know anything about AI before I found it crazy. But, you know, you can learn and you can pick up and you can educate. So as far as I'm concerned, those are the bits that are the big tick boxes. If you've got the softer skills, you can pretty much pick up and learn anything.
0: I agree with you. I think uh, I come from a non-technical background, you know, I, I fail my medical uh, exam sort of entry because uh, my math skills are terrible, as uh, you would ask quite a few <laughs> people that, that know me. But I think I like the idea of being able to sort of bring the best out of people. But I, I do agree with you. I think a lot of it is about there's the things you can learn, but the things actually are innate. And I think finding an understanding your skills, I think are so important. Would you say there is you need from an entrepreneur perspective, there is a need to be mentally fairly strong because you have to sort of believe in doing things you haven't done before?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the, the the highs and lows of starting and founding your own business. I mean, the beauty as well of having co-founders is that you can pick each other up and support each other. It's not easy. I mean, anyone that says it's easy is lying. And it's not about <laughs> luck. It's about hard work. It's really mm. about hard work and hard graft. And there are times when, honestly, you think, oh, my gosh, I, I can't do this. But I think... Where we've always benefited as a business and for me personally, and that's why I still have so much passion for Frazy and I'm so excited, like where we are as a business and where we're going in the next 12 to 24 months is because what we've done as a team is we've always gone, okay, that's not worked. Why hasn't it worked? Okay, that's the reason it's not worked. We need to pivot. And it's about being really agile and pivoting as quickly as possible and not going, oh, but we've decided we're going to do this, so we're going to stick by it come hell or high water. You know, it's really about having that motivation to go, Okay, it's not worked. We need to understand why. Let's not dwell on the fact that it didn't work, because actually it's all of those little things that don't work that make you stronger and more knowledgeable so that you're able to build and expand and grow the business but yeah it, it is hard and keeping that optimism is hard because when you go down you often go really really low and then something will happen and it will bring you back up so it's Absolutely. it's a bit of a roller coaster but a fun I was one. going to
0: use the word exactly that I was going to use a roller coaster word but you know you you've done all right you know you guys have grown 75 percent you know year-on-year year in 2019 and congrats you know you won tech entrepreneur of the year so fantastic fantastic achievements
1: thank you so
0: I guess talking about the journey, you just, you know, you touch upon it a little bit earlier, you know, with your co-founders and some of the high and lows. What were you prepared for when you think about the journey you've been on and what really took you by surprise?
1: I think when we initially started out, we spent the first year sort of ensuring that there was a product market fit. And I think for us, like that first year of everyone, you're a bit scrappy. You know, five years ago, people... Had never even heard of a thing called AI power copywriting, let alone, oh my gosh, it's going to be part of our marketing tech stack. You know, it's a case of we've had to really, really build that market in the last five years and educate. And I think that was a big part that we didn't realize that there was going to be so much education. You can't just launch a product and everyone goes, great, yeah, we suddenly got budget for it because actually they've never had budget for it in the first place because they didn't know it actually existed. So I think that's been a big learning curve. I think raising investment, you think it's going to be easy and it's pretty hard like there isn't a book that literally goes this is the best way to do it and I think that that was a real journey for us and when we went for our first sort of angel round and we were we were pitching to everyone we had so many people giving us different perspectives and different points of view and we were trying to take it on board and you know the biggest thing that I can say for that is if you're going for investment get a mentor, get someone who's been there and done it and can help you through it. There are so many basic things that I think that are lost. And especially when it comes to female entrepreneurs, I don't think enough women go for investment because they just don't know enough. There's not enough education around the whole process. And so any form of support that you can get, if you're thinking about raising investment and do your research, understand the terminology. It's like going into another world when you go for your first pitch. I remember Parry and myself, when we did our first sort of rounds of visiting different types of investors, and we were pitching and practicing and pivoting. And and sometimes it was really soul destroying. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> an easy ride. But you go and speak to as many people as you can, because uh, it's actually quite a small world when you get in there. So it's really about networking, always, follow up, you know, even if they're not interested now, you never know, they might be interested in a couple of years when you've got some more traction. So we've been really, really good on building and maintaining all of those relationships. But yeah, I think the the investment side of things is much harder than I'd expected. On the highs, I think having technology that genuinely works and gets fantastic results for customers. We're not about tricking people, duping people like into signing a contract for technology that doesn't work because we're pretending it's AI. It's actual AI and it works. So that for me is a real high.
0: You talk about the preparation for the pitch and, and the importance uh, of that. and uh, But things you mentioned actually a bit before, which is the product market fit. And how you had to sort of create demand for something that wasn't there as a category before. How did you go about that? Because I don't know if there is a secret recipe or whether you sort of, it was a trial and tested it.
1: If we had the secret recipe, I think we'd all be millionaires. (laughs) Um, I have to say, we've got an awesome, awesome marketing team now um, who really go above and beyond. And we're constantly testing new campaigns, new ideas. But it is the big part of it is about education. You know, we're trying to position ourselves as thought leaders within AI and the world of marketing. The issue that we've got, honestly, is five years ago when we launched as an AI marketing tool, we were one of few. If you look at the MarTech landscape now, pretty much everyone says that they use AI. And so this is where it becomes really difficult. It's basically trying to cut through the, the BS, shall we say, and work out... Who is using AI and how are they using it? What problem are they solving? You know, we have an ongoing thing. We used to have a, a couple of years ago, it's less so now, but a lot of customers coming to us saying, we've got a budget for AI, we're ready to spend it. And we're like, okay, we'd love your money. But, you know, one of the big things is, what is the problem you're trying to solve? And is there a solution and does it use AI? And if that all comes together and it works, i.e. like Frazee, you know, we are trying to improve engagement rates across all your digital channels by optimising the marketing language that you use. And so making you more money or saving you time, then you should go for it and invest in it. And I think... From our perspective, you know, there's a lot that we can do in this learning curve. You know, we've, we've got a pledge this year, for instance, called the Frazee Pledge, where we've committed to educating a minimum of 500 marketers in the world about AI, what it can do and what it can't do, like myth busting. We've got a great AI learning hub on our website where we're directing people just to educate them like this is what it can do this is what it can't this is the terminology how do you detect and I think as businesses if we can help educate so that people are empowered to then make those decisions themselves it's not like we're just trying to sell all the time we're not trying to cover everything anything up with us there's a very very clear return on investment when you invest in so you invest this you're going to get this amount of, of incremental revenue so it's very black and white there's No smoke and mirrors.
0: No smoke and mirrors. That's cool. One of (laughs) the things I love reading about you is how you're such an ally in the industry around mentoring uh, young entrepreneurs and and especially young girls and and, and women. Why why is that? I mean, your passion comes out so clearly, you know, when, when you and I speak. Why is that so important to you?
1: I'm a big believer in balance, but it has to come from top down. Like balance in boards and then it comes from top down. It's good for business. The fun- The fundamentals are, it actually increases your bottom line. It makes you more money having a balanced business. The thing is, you can't have more women at the top level if you're not supporting and championing them from a younger age. And for me, that's a real, real thing. Like, I mentor a range of people, but like the youngest girl that I mentor is 17. She's super smart, really passionate, like, but she just needs some guidance as to what are the areas I should be looking at at university, you know? What are my options? And just some support. And i found that throughout my career, like one of my turning points when I was in my mid-20s when I launched my um, creative agency was I was paired with an awesome mentor. Now, she was just brilliant. And just having a sounding board, someone that you can go... I can't, I I can't get my head straight. I'm not quite sure what to do with this. What are your thoughts? What, you know, and someone that's been there and done it just to support them. And I think it really makes a difference in individual confidence, you know, and it's not just for for females, for males as well. Like I'm I'm big on it all being balanced. But I think if you look at research and you look at inequality and how it's working out, if we're really going to push and all champion for the same thing and for it to be a fair playing ground there is a little bit more support that we have to do with with females as they're making decisions about life and and encouraging them and supporting them and saying yes you can do this go and start your own business you know that's what we need more of
0: Absolutely. And personally, I think workplace should be a reflection of society. And I think for the moment, you know, we're very fortunate at Salesforce, you know, we have a very balanced sort of workforce. And I also understand in your business, there's over 50% of female, which is fantastic. But unfortunately, uh, it's not always reflected in all walk of life or walk of business. And I think, you know, I, I'm, it's really enlightening to hear, you know, what you're doing for females and, and for young entrepreneurs. And I think mentoring is is a future and uh, but it's also quite daunting I think sometimes because you know I, I get asked to do mentoring quite a lot and I also I, I sometimes I don't know whether the advice I'm giving is, is actually useful or not and you start to question yourself but I suppose you know maybe I, t- I need to take a leaf out of your book and figure out actually it's about maybe just being that sounding board and having a some, someone external to sort of run ideas past isn't it Sandra totally
1: like we if we all started doing that you know I we we can all doubt ourselves and our capabilities but it is sometimes it's just to have a sounding board you know I've I've always had mentors I've got a mentor now I'm a big believer in it and it's just sometimes to sense check something or run run something past them or to say oh I've got really stuck or I'm thinking of doing this and actually just having someone go do you know what I did that 10 years ago it was an absolute disaster don't waste your time (laughs) this would be this would be my recommendation you know but you don't necessarily have to be giving business advice you could just be there to listen I think you're totally right I think you just being there is is a massive benefit versus what worlds of wisdom am I going to share what pearls of wisdom should I say yeah Yeah. because that's 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 too much pressure on yourself exactly
0: (laughs) that exactly that you're having to try to think about is this good enough you know kind of things but you mentioned something earlier which uh, you talk about bias there's a really really sad statistic in the uk specifically around female entrepreneurs and and there was a some articles a couple of uh, years ago that talks about the female entrepreneurs uh, faces the highest level of bias globally when raising capital so much so that they were you know statistics to say that over fifty percent of female were asked whether they were married, if they had children, and how they could possibly run a business with with family commitment. did you experience this at all in your career? Do
1: you know what I've got to be honest about this I haven't, but i I know that it exists because I know of people who have experienced. I think I was very lucky because when founding Frazy I had two co-founders. And so when we were always pitching for investment, it was always myself and Parry as a sort of duo. But again, I think there are so many things that we can do to help this. I think we need more females on the other side of the table. That's going to help things. You know, we've one of our angel investors who runs a a syndicate, Galvanize, you know, Davina Paul, she's now on our board and she was one of the first to embrace Frazy and offer it out to their syndicate. and, And that's been brilliant for us. And I think... We need to encourage more. You know, I hope at some point I'll be investing in startups as well. And I think it's, again, just about supporting and championing women through that whole process and that's got to come from that early stage again it's very similar to what we were talking about education from a phrasey perspective it's actually educating younger women to know that they can do it they've got the support this is how you do it and that has to come from many people not just from individual mentors but it needs to come from institutions it needs to come from from banks it needs to come from you know the investing funds itself so it's definitely getting better but there's still a lot of room for improvement in this area.
0: And I guess if we were sort of collectively thinking about if you were faced with this bias, in a way, raising capital as a female, what would you say is the best way to do it? Would you tackle it head on? Would you sort of acknowledge it? You know, what, what would you think? <laughs>
1: I don't think I've got the answer. Um, what I can say is you've probably, I know we've spoken a couple of times, um, but you could probably tell I'm not one to keep my thoughts and opinions to myself so personally i would attack it the he- head on if i was in mm. that situation mm. i think it, it has to be addressed it should it can't be ignored and it mustn't be ignored again though that's really hard if you're on your own and you haven't got someone else to support you or you know mentor you or help you through that you know it's very easy for us to say here yes you should attack it head on you know Quite. you can't until you're in that specific situation so i don't I don't think if I'm really honest, there's a blanket. Yes, you must do this because everyone's different and every situation is different. But if there's a potential for you to be able to make a change, then you should do it and find the resources, the network and the support to help you do it
0: you talked about your investment journey what was your investment like and i think i'm really interested uh in understanding how did you choose your investors and what challenges did you face in in selecting those investors and and finding that fit between you and and the investors yeah
1: that's a really good question because at first you think oh my gosh we'll just take anyone's money. (laughs) We're just desperate for investment. But actually, it's so important to get that fit right. It really, really is. And I think our views as founders have changed a lot in this process. We've got an amazing set of investors. Like I mentioned, we've got galvanized syndicate who originally came on board. And that really was a they got it they specialize in investment in MarTech. Like they understood it wasn't like we were going big picture and people, you know, because sometimes when you're coming up with something that's truly innovative, it, it's quite a hard pitch because you're saying, yes, we know there's not a market for this, but this is what our tech can do. These are the results that we can get. People are like, oh, do I really understand it? Can I get my head around it? And so, you know, we, we met with lots of people that just didn't get it. And we were like, okay, they're not right for us. You've just got to walk away and go, that's not right. We've got to carry on. Let's keep going until we find that perfect match. And so I suppose it's a little bit like dating. It is, <laughs> isn't it? It's a two-way thing. Sounds like it anyway. It's a long time since I've done it, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah me too. <laughs> so it's a little bit like you're going to go on a first date. We're going to say, we're great. And we're going to. They're going to say, we're great. And then you're going to go away and say, are they that great? <laughs> so a lot cool. of that happens. And then... It's about, yes, do do they get it? Is there the chemistry? Are they going to support you? Like we've got now a series of investors, you know, including like Albion VC who who came on in 2018, um, Next15 PLC, and they're on our board. They're genuinely... Helpful and productive. There's a great, great match. You know, we all feel that we could call them up at any time for support, for help, for advice. They're really productive in our board meetings. And I think that's really important to understand the level of involvement. Like they're there to support, but you also don't want people that are going to get over involved and then actually detract you from your strategy and what you're trying to achieve because that's really important when you're quite a small team you know if too many external like investors are putting a lot of pressure on you to do x y and z and it doesn't fall within your your strategy then it can be a real distraction and set you off course so you can end up missing all your targets anyway so I think really go into it as a interview or a date both ways there's got to be the chemistry and you've got to think actually there's a lot of added value that these people can bring by having them invest in us yes they're going to give us money but yes we're going to give a lot back and we're going to learn from each other
0: then that's brilliant because I think there's a there's some really interesting way I use you it was chemistry a lot but there's also I think is there an element of courage to walk away if it's not the right fit or to stand up for what you believe would you say that it takes some courage at the beginning you know when you're possibly desperate for an investment
1: <laughs> yes Definitely, and actually, we've had we've had a few of those, and of course, the more traction that we've got, and the more bars we have, a lot of people now, you know, investors approaching us saying, "We want to invest in you. We want to invest in you." So, you you actually get. You get quite fortunate with success. You become more fortunate because more people are attracted to you naturally. But yeah, at the beginning bit, you know, we would. I remember a couple of meetings that Perry and I came out of, and we looked at each other. We went nightmare. Like, they, like they they wanted to give us some more money. They wanted to invest in us. They they got it, but actually, we knew that the fit wasn't right, and it would actually probably be a more destructive. Than good in in bringing them on, and so we would we were we were honest with them as well. We just said we don't think this is a right fit for us. But it is hard when you're desperate for for the investment. Did you define? Did you sit down with your co founders and and say,
0: okay, this is what we want? Did you set your can kind over? Of a- your charter, as such, she said, this is the kind of investors I want. This is what I want them to do. Or did this come naturally as you were dating them to figure out what was the right fit? Yeah,
1: it, uh, we, d- we didn't set out with the charter. We weren't, we weren't that organized right at the beginning. Honestly, at the beginning, it was a case of like, n- we had never raised investment before. So at the beginning, you literally go for any referral introduction. So Parry and I were just out every day meeting people. Some were great, some were not, some gave some great advice, but said, listen, it's not for us, but keep in touch. And that's the best thing I think you can do when you're starting. Like go and meet as many as people. Don't be too prescriptive. It's about getting your name out there. And Getting some traction so people go oh, okay yeah we're hearing about them the names being repeated and of course it's quite a small world in that early stage when you're looking at like angel investors they all talk so we got to a point where we were like oh yes we, we, we've we heard about you and and, and that's brilliant and we, we're still in touch with a lot of those initial contacts we made like five years ago. But yeah, no, we don't have a charter. has got a little bit easier as we've got older and we've maintained those more established relationships. And we, we are much more prescriptive now. But when we started, no.
0: If you had a, a magic wand now, what, what would you do? What would you do differently?
1: Do you know, this is an awful thing to say. I, I'm not sure I would do anything b- differently because when things haven't gone right we've we've really learned from them we've really learned about the product so for instance when we originally launched Frazy, we did a one size fits all language model. So we were like, no matter who the brand is, they can log into Frazy and generate some language. The problem with that, with a one size fits all is that every brand ends up sounding the same, you know, and the customers that we work with, you know, the likes of eBay and Domino's and Virgin Holidays, they've all got very, very distinct brand tone of voices. So, you know, for us, yes, The first year we were a bit like that. And then we realized within six months of that of launching, actually, brand voice is really important. We can't have a one size fits all option. This needs to be bespoke. We're working with enterprise brands. We need to build these language models on a brand to brand basis so that it sounds like somebody in their marketing department. Now, if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have learned to do that. Do you know what I mean? We've been really, really fortunate with our success and our growth. And even with like now we're expanding, we're hiring, we're, we're expanding into the US further. We're getting some great traction over there as well. But all of it's learning curves. And like I said, I think that's what makes us stronger and more knowledgeable by those little things going wrong along the way. It would be boring if it was too easy. Just uh, some
0: final thought. What would be the one great key tip you would give to entrepreneurs uh, starting up today?
1: Stay positive and optimistic. There are going to be lows. They're going to be quite frequent, especially at the start. But keep, strong and surround yourself with like-minded people for that support network you know find yourself a mentor surround yourself join networks with other entrepreneurs other specialists within your industry and just keep going when the point of differentiation I think between success and failure at times is that motivation and that optimism that you can get through it and it's that bit when you're really at your lowest and you think this is bad, I can't carry on. It's that bit when lots of people go, I can't carry on. And when you just push, 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 push on through, you will come through it. But you mustn't keep focused on that one thing. Like I said, pivot, be agile and keep pushing forward
0: thank you so so much for chatting with us today loved it thank you for joining us for our third episode of trailblazing entrepreneurs if you have any questions or topics you want to hear more about tweet us at app i'll be back soon with some more insights from founders so make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app until then goodbye